Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com slash FYC. This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. It is Wednesday, October 26th. We talk a lot on this show about Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV, HBO Max, all these subscription video-on-demand services. But there's a separate category of streaming service that costs nothing. They're free, they're ad-supported, and they're streaming on TV 24 hours a day. They're called fast service, free ad-supported streaming television. And they basically recreate the linear TV experience with the scroll, the thousands of live channels on digital. Maybe you've watched them. I know I watch them occasionally. I've heard it called streaming for cheapskates or streaming for old people or lean back streaming, background noise, something you just have on. The basic premise is people love free. Amazon has the freebie service. Fox has Tubi. Comcast has the free tier of Peacock. There's the Roku channel. And then in 2018, Paramount Global paid $340 bucks to buy Pluto TV. Last year, Pluto topped a billion dollars in revenue, and it's growing fast. Some really fun, some really weird channels, like the Challenge Channel, MTV. I watch 90210. I watch old talk shows. It's kind of nuts what's on there. Tom Bryan is the co-founder of Pluto, and since selling the company, he's become the president and CEO of streaming for all of Paramount. He's also in charge of Pluto still. All the subscription services either have or are about to have ads. But today we're talking about the fast TV market, and specifically about Pluto, what it offers, why you should watch it, what the business is like, and how it's going to influence all the other streaming services. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Tom Ryan, who is the president and CEO of streaming at Paramount Global. Welcome, Tom. Thanks for having me, Matt. Great to be here. All right, so let's start with the news, which is this survey that Nielsen does. Um, it was released last week. It's called The Gauge, and it is a guide to the share of viewership on all connected TVs. Basically, who is watching which streaming service, and you guys join the big boy club. You have now 1% of all viewership at Pluto TV, 
Um, that's a big deal. So congrats. Thank you. No, we're really excited about it. Big milestone for us, uh, particularly given our humble uh, beginnings as a contrarian startup eight years ago. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. One percent may not seem like a lot, but that means you guys that people spend more time watching Pluto TV than they do Peacock or Apple TV or even your own Paramount Plus. So that is a big milestone. Let me just run through the streaming leaderboard. Um, it, it, people might not realize. I mean, obviously, YouTube is the largest. And we'll get into YouTube and how they compete with you guys. Netflix is the largest. People spend more time watching Netflix than they do Hulu, Disney Plus, and HBO Max combined. So those are the next three, Hulu, Amazon, and Disney Plus. Then HBO Max is after that. And then it's Pluto TV. So let's get into the model here. You guys, as you say, were contrarian in the sense where everyone was talking about subscription video on demand services. Um, then you guys were quietly building up this library of content and pull it, putting them all on these different channels. And just doing the free ad-supported route. I mean, people like free. Is that the basic premise? Well, I think it's a few things. I mean, back when we launched the company, it was actually April Fool's Day of 2014. People thought we were indeed fools because we were doing three things pretty differently than the conventional wisdom of streaming had everyone believing. And so back then, everyone thought that the only model that would work would be the uh, the model that Netflix pioneered with uh, on-demand paid uh, streaming without ads. And here we were as a company launching, you know, linear in the age of on demand, um, free in the age of paid subscription. And then, of course, ad supported to pay the bills um, at a time when people thought streaming wouldn't support advertising and consumers would not embrace advertising in streaming. And so um, why is that? I mean, people <laughs> tolerate a lot of ads in regular TV. Why wouldn't they in streaming? You know what? It, for us, it, it it didn't make sense. We thought, you know, TV's done so many things right over the years. Sure, it hasn't done everything right. It, it's not modernized um, to a certain degree for the streaming era, but there's so many, it gave you a place to go with lots of great content, with channels that were curated to your interest. Um, so much of the best content that's ever been produced has been funded by advertising over the years, and consumers are clearly willing uh, to uh, do that exchange of great content in exchange for watching some advertising. And so we thought, you know, let's take what is great about traditional television and modernize it for the streaming era and advertising for, you know, making something free and ad supported seemed like a no brainer to us. Uh, but it was rejected by uh, many in, uh, you know, in, in the investor community and even in the media community when we launched. And now, of course, all of these subscription services are launching advertising tiers, Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max. By the end of this year, everyone will have ads, even Apple TV Plus, if you count their sports content. But um, do you worry about that, by the way? Do you worry that you've now got a lot of competition for ads? No, uh, not at all. In fact, um, you know, I see it as really validation for the uh, the the early mover strategy that we've had, not just with Pluto as the number one fast service that's entirely free and ad supported, but also with Paramount Plus, which has a an ad supported essential tier for four dollars and ninety nine cents, um, which we've been doing since launch. And prior to that, obviously, we had CBS All Access, which also had an ad supported tier. So um, clearly, there's going to be more competition. But when uh, marketers are looking for uh, the companies that have scale in ad supported streaming, uh, we've got a differentiated playbook that spans both free and pay and has ads in both. 
Right. And you've got just on Pluto, you've got 70 million monthly users. That's not too shabby. What works on Pluto? What are some of the most highly watched channels? I mean, I know what I watch when I'm flipping around and it's funny to talk to like, you know, younger people who aren't used to that interface where you just like scroll around for a channel they're used to everything on demand <laughs> yeah and it's like i feel so old i'm like no back in the day you would just scroll through the channels and like click on something and there would be something on i find myself watching old talk shows or watching episodes of the challenge or 90210 things like that that are more nostalgia yeah. for me what do people watch on to on pluto yeah well first i'll say um lots of young people love channel surfing so that's something the epg i don't think is going away um even though it's been around for for many years it needs to be yeah i'm going to explain to producer craig what channel surfing is <laughs> later on in the episode but yeah i mean what works on pluto so so pluto just like paramount plus is a whole household service so we have content for everyone what's great about that is um, not only can you really with a broad strategy appeal to lots of different people with your service but when you get more than one person in the household uh, using the service then the lifetime value goes up churn goes down etc um, but what works on uh, so so lots of things work on uh, Pluto TV but if I had to point to one thing that really um, I think drives, um, great performance on Pluto TV. It's extremely well-known franchises that are highly episodic and high volume. So lots of content, lots of episodes. Like procedurals, like NCIS and stuff like that. Yeah, procedurals like CSI or Stargate, uh, classic sitcoms. We've got a Threes Company channel, for example. Um, Love that. Or, yeah. <laughs> or game shows like Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy. They all do really well on our platform. And when I say episodic too, I guess what I mean by that is um, rather than serialized uh, shows that have an arc that continues through 10 episodes, let's say, like your typical big original drama um, on Pluto TV, self-contained uh, episodes. So procedural is a classic example of that. There's a beginning, middle and end. You don't have to have watched the prior episode to enjoy the current episode. Um, and lots of the content on Pluto that performs so well is just like that. You need a threes company channel, but just with the Chrissy episodes, none of the subsequent roommates or just the Ropers. Like, so if you really just want to watch Three's Company with the Ropers, that can be all yours. Right. Yeah. I guess a Roper channel. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> the haven't, Roper channel. <laughs> we haven't gone quite that deep yet, but uh, I appreciate the suggestion. But there are thousands of channels on this stuff. And it begs the question, why don't you guys do original program? Because some of your competitors like Tubi is moving into that freebie, which is owned by Amazon has the Bosch show which i watched there yeah why don't you guys do originals or is that coming and we just don't know it yet well listen i would never say never but when you think about original content expensive it's exceedingly risky meaning you know sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um and that's risky not just in terms of the cost of producing the content but also marketing it so that it actually is known um, by potential users and then even in success it really produces small volumes of content. Um, and so I guess it really speaks to um, what we see as the different role that content plays for a fast service, which is primarily extended engagement, than for an SBOT service where um, acquisition or avoiding monthly churn are so critical. Um, and so I think, you know, maybe uh, a question is, you know, why would a fast service incur the expense or risk of investing in uh, original content? And I think the answer... Well, you want to grow the users. 
Well, right. I mean, I went into freebie because of the boss show. Okay. Didn't know what it was. Saw an ad for the boss show was interested. It's like any customer acquisition. You put something out there that's new and interesting and someone comes into the ecosystem and says and explores other stuff, right? Sure, but it's very expensive. I don't know that the fast business model today supports the creation of expensive originals um, and the marketing that's required in order to um, help make them successful. And again, I think you know the the, the answer to why a fast service would incur the, that expense um, or risk, I think, is just they they um, you know they, they have to do so in the absence of a strong catalog that is well suited for fast. And that's where we really excel. Right. So you guys have access to the CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of that content that you can put there, the stuff that's not being monetized elsewhere. And that gives you an advantage, you say? Yeah, not only that, but, you know, as the leader in the space, you know, we scaled the business to a billion in revenue from from zero from that day in 2014 that we launched. Um, and that was last year. We crossed a billion in annual revenue. Um, you know, we... Uh, we, we really have the biggest flywheel, which, um, you know, the, we, we're pioneered a, a new model, of course, but then we also built this very quickly with innovative distribution partnerships um, and strong content partnerships that have allowed us to create a flywheel. When I say flywheel, you know, it's sort of great content um, put into a simple and elegant product marketed well to users, drives in drives acquisition and engagement, which then drives monetization and allows you to reinvest that money in uh, more content. And so we have uh, not just from Paramount, which is obviously a critical uh, partner and a huge competitive advantage for us, but we've got hundreds and hundreds of content partners and lots of exclusive content from those content partners, which also drives um, the flywheel further. Right. So if I, I don't want to put words in your mouth from someone else. But if I asked a, a company like Tubi, which is owned by Fox, why they are moving into originals, they have a great catalog as well. So and you know, they're doing sort of cheaper reality and things like that to start. But it does feel like they're moving that direction. You're seeing Roku move in that direction. And obviously, Peacock, they use this as their free tier. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll push back a little bit on it. seems like originals might help you guys. Yeah, I mean, name one of those companies that has not just the flywheel of third-party content that we have, but also the diversity, breadth, and depth of content that Paramount does. So sure, they each have access to a certain amount of content. Um, ones owned by media companies clearly have more content um, than ones owned by device manufacturers. But either way, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how uh, the originals in the fast space pans out. Again, I would never say never. And I think one of the good things too, is as we see what works for originals and fast, um, we're ideally situated to actually invest in it, given all the studios of virtually every genre and format that Paramount owns. Um, but today we just don't really see it. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're taking a wait and, and see approach there because the, 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 the content that I mentioned to you that works so well, again, highly episodic, well-known franchises uh, with high volume of content drives just enormous engagement. Um, and it's a much better uh, return on investment, in our opinion, than originals. Yeah, I, the, the library is pretty impressive. I was watching old episodes of the Johnny Carson show the other night. It's hilarious to watch like which jokes would not be okay today, which guests would not be invited. It's kind of nuts. 
This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. All right, so will Pluto eventually just become the free tier of Paramount Plus? Do you think that's the future there? No, I mean, obviously, you know, we think that there's a huge advantage to this differentiated free and paid streaming strategy that we have. And we're constantly thinking, how do we make the one plus one of free and pay equal three? The way in which we do that is we're uh, using Pluto as a very powerful sampling discovery and upsell promotional funnel for Paramount mm -hmm. Plus. We've got Paramount Plus Picks Channel, uh, for example, where we put um, buzzy new originals from Paramount Plus in front of the paywall on Pluto in order to get folks to sample them and then to subscribe to Paramount Plus. And that's been quite a... Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Paramount did that really well with the Yellowstone spinoff where they put it on the Paramount Network. Right. 1883 aired a couple episodes on the Paramount Network to get those cable subscribers to see it. And then they put it behind the paywall at Paramount Plus, and it seemed to really work for that show. So you do a, a similar thing on Pluto? We do that with Pluto and Paramount Plus. We even do it with Pluto and Broadcast. So we've got the rolling four, some of the most recent episodes on CBS Broadcast come quickly to Pluto TV. We promote them and then promote going to watch um, the latest episode back on Broadcast as well. So it's a funnel that we're leveraging beyond just streaming. But again, um, the, the, the core focus is how do we again, make the one plus one of free and pay equal three. And so I don't see um, a, so so we'll continue to look at integration opportunities that allow us to, you know, to, to, to make that one plus one equal three, but um, actually conflating the two products into one doesn't make sense to me. I think uh, Pluto really stands for free TV. It does um, lots of things uh, in terms of innovative channels and um, programming stunts and things that, you know, you, you, you would be lost if you tried to, to basically squash everything into one product. And I think the two products stand on their own terms in uh, a way where Paramount Plus is really first party content service. Uh, with content um, for, uh, you know, everybody, but from the Paramount studios and brands. And then you've got Pluto TV, which is first and foremost, a third party content service. While Paramount is a very important uh, content partner, it is, you know, it is one of hundreds. Um, and therefore, it's just a very different type of content offering, as well as a different type of product and user interface as well. And therefore, um, I think that uh, makes sense for Pluto to remain uh, the, the free TV leader, but to use it as much as possible to promote Paramount Plus. And similarly, when someone may churn out of Paramount Plus, we want to keep them in the Pluto TV ecosystem as well. So it goes both ways. I feel like you guys got a huge advantage now with so many of us working at home because Pluto is the thing you just turn on. Yeah. You keep it on in the background. It's got whatever you're into, whether like I, I talked with Bill Simmons about this last year, about how he will just turn it on and have the 90210 channel on all day and like tune in and out of episodes that he likes. Like 
that what you know it's just like something to have you have on as a companion yeah and i think that that's again when you think back to um what makes tv great um and and thinks back to the early days of tv that tv is that sort of companion right you come home um you know from from work or school put your keys down plop on the cap couch and then turn on the television and it's a companion for whatever you may be doing sometimes you're very actively watching sometimes you're passively watching or listening to it and i do think pluto pays uh, plays um a, a function like that as well just as traditional tv has done for decades and you have an mtv channel that plays actual music videos which to gen xers like myself is is uh, a big deal yeah. so i want to ask you there's been some buzz in the analyst community you hear the word bubble People say, oh, you know, despite all the growth and these fast services, there, there's an ad bubble that this is, you know, there's going to be decline or the growth rate is not going to increase. We are heading into a recession here. Um, how do you respond to these criticisms that there's a bubble on, in these services? Uh, for fast services or streaming generally? For fast services specifically. Listen, I mean, clearly streaming is a global mega trend. Um, we've got great momentum in, across both uh, Pluto TV and Paramount Plus. Um, and, you know, when you think about the average consumer, you know, what was one to two paid services four years ago when I was running Pluto still as an independent startup is now four to five in the U.S. in terms of the average OTT household. But no matter what, people want to complement they're offering, whether it's one or five or eight services, um, with a great, strong, free uh, streaming offering. And it's a capital-efficient business model. Uh, and I think the, you know, the, the volume of users and the growing engagement in terms of time spent and hours, like you referenced uh, with the, the Nielsen uh, news that just happened, I think goes to show the demand that consumers have uh, for it. So uh, I, I don't see it as a bubble. I see it as a very strong long-term trend. And I would add, not just in the U.S., but globally, we're now in over 30 countries around the world. And that's been a big focus over the past few years uh, since we were acquired by by uh, Viacom, now Paramount. And you've got a moat, kind of, because it's really hard to have one of these services with the level of content that you do because you are attached to a big media company like Paramount. Yeah. You know, others that have to stock the pond, so to speak, have to pay for that. But if you guys own the content, I mean, obviously you have participants and you have to do license fees or imputed license fees, but it's a lot cheaper to do this when you have this huge library. That's yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's also easier to do when you're the biggest, even independent of that library, because like I mentioned before, um, you know, you can amortize the cost of content over a much larger uh, group of users in hours um, than a smaller player can. And so when we go out and do an exclusive deal with a third party, that's not paramount, um, we're able to compete well because we know that we can get an ROI on that content um, better than some others can. So Netflix and Disney are about to launch ad tiers. Yeah. Got any advice for them? I would just say it's, uh, you know, yeah, a, uh, a great business model. And uh, I'm not surprised that they're following our lead uh, in, in really taking advertising seriously uh, in streaming because consumers want to have the maximum value and lots of them are completely happy to watch some advertising in exchange for free or discounted content. But doesn't the ad model essentially change the content offering? 
I mean, Disney's a perfect example. Disney's time spent on platform is not very high compared to the others because it focuses on these big tentpole IP driven movies and series rather than the volume strategy that Netflix has employed and which has increased the time spent on the platform significantly. If you're in the ad business, you're all about eyeballs, not just subscribers. Is Disney going to have to get into more of the volume business and just try to churn stuff out to generate ads? Yeah. I mean, I'd say you're not just in the eyeballs business, but you're in the hours per eyeball business, right? Right. You need massive engagement. Um, and that's why a broad strategy suits is, is much better suited to an ad-supported model than a narrower uh, content uh, strategy or, or offering. And so, again, that's why we feel great about both Pluto TV and Paramount Plus being whole household services that really have content for everyone and can drive long engagement as a result of that. And I think that, you know, advertisers are going to demand that if they're going to really tr transact with you in, in, you know, a significant way over time. So you're over all of these services at Paramount, uh, and you probably have a, a opinions on where the business is headed. Do you think, what do we got, about eight, nine, ten competing SVOD services now on a global basis? Where do you think we'll be in five years? Well, I think there's always room to experiment with new stuff. Otherwise, I wouldn't have launched Pluto, right? But at the same time, um, just given the amount of investment uh, and the seriousness with which uh, the largest technology and media companies are taking streaming these days, um, there's clearly going to be a handful of companies that matter in each of the, the paid and the free spaces, right? Um, and so I don't know what that number is, but I think you'll probably have a, a bunch of smaller players that are not, maybe they're getting acquired, maybe they're closing down, maybe they're running small businesses that are nice to have, but don't really uh, move the needle at the level of the big players. Um, so you've probably got five, six major players that matter in pay, I would say, um, and a few, uh, at least on a global basis, that matter in free. And what part of your job is making sure that Paramount Plus is one of them? It's a lot of my job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because you know you're not Paramount Plus is not the leader in its category like Pluto is in the in the ad supported side. Sure, but we launched. Uh, don't forget, we just launched 18 months ago. Um, yeah, true. And and you have the NFL. And we're growing really fast. Um, you know, the antenna data that came out in uh, September showed that we had the most uh, signups and the most gross ads of any paid streamer in the U.S. Uh, year to date. Uh, and we had a great year last year, too. So uh, just 18, 19 months in, I feel great about our position. And uh, we, you know, stay tuned. We've got a lot uh, in store and we're really just getting started with Paramount+. Plus. Last question. When is Top Gun Maverick going to be on Paramount Plus? Before the end of the year. Oh, they've said that. Give me a date. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to give a specific date, so I'm right, starting right. to frustrate oh, you there. That's okay. We will let you go. It still is a miraculous feat that it's gone this long and it hasn't appeared there. Um, so I'm sure you are chomping at the bit to get it on the service. Yeah, sure am. And lots of people are watching that movie in theaters repeatedly. We think it's going to be a big hit on streaming uh, as well. And digital downloads. You know, yeah. Are you going to release numbers on that? I've heard it's huge. I'm sure that we will. Uh, maybe that'll happen at earnings next week. I, I'm not. Ah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right. Thanks very much, Tom Ryan. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Matt.
All right, we are back. Not with the call sheet today. We're going to do a press junket question from Reader. We try to do these occasionally. Uh, Craig, you got a good one? First of all, Craig, are you going to any fun Halloween parties? What are you going to be? I don't know what I'm going to be at. I'm, I'm going to be going out in Los Angeles to some bars, which is check back in on Monday and how horrible of a time I had, but still figuring okay. out the costume. I'll let you know. Uh, a sexy what? Sexy dot, dot, dot? Um, maybe a sexy Tom Cruise from a sexy Maverick. I don't know. Oh, that's not bad. I have some aviators if you need some aviator glasses. But you can't out-sexy Tom Cruise. That's what's hard. No. What are you going to be with your son? Uh, actually, I'm going to be a perfect manifestation of successful movie studio IP management. I am going to be <laughs> Knuckles from the oh. Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Are you just going to wear all is, red? Is, what are you going to do? Uh, well, no. Are you kidding? There's a whole costume. Oh, There's you're like, doing like uh, a full onesie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> of course. He's going to be Sonic, and I'm going to be Knuckles, and my wife is going to be whatever, Tails, I think the other one is. Yeah, Tails, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, wow. you'll see us. We'll, we'll, we, I, I should send a check directly to Paramount Pictures for making me do this. I look forward to that Instagram. All right, yes. Um, uh, let's do the question. All right, this is from Daniel. He asks, how can Paramount Plus lose all of the Star Trek movies to HBO Max when these are all Paramount movies? Yeah, that's an interesting question because it gets to the strategy that a lot of these companies are employing these days. I mean, a couple of years ago, not that long ago, the whole point of the streaming service that was owned by these media conglomerates was to showcase your own content and pull it back from places like Netflix and Amazon that had paid a lot of money to license this content. And what we're seeing now is a little bit of a retrenchment on that strategy. So these companies are saying, listen, we have put these movies on our service, our Users have watched them if they're going to watch them. Let's make a little bit of money and license them elsewhere. And it's called a windowing strategy where you can say, okay, we're going to license this to another streamer for probably a fixed term. I don't know the term of this HBO Max deal for the Star Trek movies, but it's usually short. And you find that these movies now jump around. I mean, the perfect example is what happened with the Harry Potter movies. They were on. HBO Max when it launched and Warner Brothers licensed them there and gave up money elsewhere to put it on the service at launch. Then the Harry Potter movies disappeared from HBO Max and now they are coming back. And these, I think these media companies are going to do more of this. They're going to try to maximize revenue and get money from putting these movies elsewhere. And then they'll bring them back for a little while. So you can see them on their service. Then they'll license them out again so this will be you know you're gonna have unfortunately for the consumer it means you're gonna have to jump around to different services if you want if you're a star trek stan and all you want to do when you come home at night is watch star trek 4 um, with the with the whales and william shatner then you can do that but you have to go to different services and or wait for it to come back i do think that the average person the average customer is comfortable they're comfortable searching for their favorite movie on all of the platforms. I, I never know where anything is. I got this great app that actually Bill Simmons put me onto called Just Watch. And you mm -hmm. open it up, you type in the movie you want to see, and it just tells you every single platform it's on, whether it's free, ad-supported, or you have to pay for it. But I think in the modern world, everyone knows that you, if you want to watch something, you got to Google it first and see what platform it's on, and we're fine with that. Yeah, I mean, you and I are lucky now that we know who owns these movies. So, like, if I want to watch a Star Trek movie, I first will check Paramount Plus because I know that that is a Paramount property, uh, but it's not a guarantee anymore. All right, that's the show. I want to thank Tom Ryan for coming on. I want to thank producer Craig Horlbeck, and I want to thank you. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. 
but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.